section's empty. But in this section, Adam and Holly Mackenzie back from Honduras. So, yeah. Is your Spanish good? Si. No. Number one with beans. That's all I know. So, all I know. What is that? Speedy Gonzales, isn't it? Isn't that on the menu? That's everywhere, isn't it? Like here, Indiana, Panama City. Okay. Uh, I know it's December 26th, and I know like most churches don't even do stuff on this day, which is sort of strange to me. But, um, and I know also that it's one of those days where it's like, eh, just throw in the leftovers. But I actually want to say some cool stuff today. And um, not that what I have to say is cool, but I'm just saying I, I'm not giving you sort of the, the, you know, the back order uh, of whatever else we had left over. But So if you have a Bible, Psalm 126 is where we're going to be. Uh, there's some other texts that we'll uh, shoot through along the way, but this will be the main one. So if you want to turn your Bible, it's kind of like right in the dead center. So uh, Psalm 126. Now, let me give you some background. This particular psalm is... Um, the seventh in a series of 15 different psalms, and they're all grouped together, and they're called the Song of Ascents. And there's uh, all sorts of discussion about what these things were. Um, nobody really knows exactly what they were used for. Some say they were, they were used as worship songs. Uh, some say they were used um, like the people would sing these when they went to Jerusalem for the festivals like Pentecost and so on, uh, as they're traveling from wherever they lived to Jerusalem. So you know, the Song of Ascents was, I guess, for some, like this ancient sort of mixtape as they're heading to Bonnaroo, like we're going to sing these songs as we, uh, okay, that was funny to me. But, uh, <laughs> so, um, so some think it's that, some think it's just the way they're, they're written. They definitely, many of them start, the first couple of verses feel kind of very, um, um, not depressing, but kind of down here, and they typically end very high. Uh, some think it's just a musical term, but whatever the case is, they all belong together. Uh, so all 15 of these, they go together. And whether they were worship hymns or songs that were sung in travel and transit or whether they were used for uh, worship services or whatever, it doesn't really matter. They're just, um, but they are, at the end of the day, they are these wonderful, um, joyful, hopeful things. And 126 is really one of my favorite uh, psalms. Let's look at verse 1. It says, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. Zion's another word for Jerusalem. So you have this picture of people leaving captivity and heading to uh, Jerusalem. We were like men who what? Dreamed. So the first verse is, um, really, if you want to turn back to Ezra chapter 1, this is sort of the history of that particular verse. It says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in writing. And then he quotes it here. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Now, Cyrus isn't a Jew. He's just a really good, political, friendly person. But it's good that he associates himself with the chosen one. Um, Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem 
And there's the going up piece. Let him go up, ascent to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. So he's very friendly towards other people's faith. And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. So we have this story of Cyrus sending back these captives, all these uh, Jews that have been living in Babylon for generations. And so he uh, kickstarts this restoration. They get to move back to their city, which in Jeremiah 29, you can really read, uh, we're teaching on that at the end of January next year, but um, just this, this real feeling of like they just really want to be back in Jerusalem. And uh, they'd rather be anywhere but in Babylon, in captivity. And so they do have this promise that one day that will happen, but it won't be for a while. And so in verse 1 of the psalm, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, it's this theme of restoration, right? So this is about God moving in their lives. And it says, we were like men who dreamed, which is this uh, great sort of statement about this was really hard for us to believe. Like they, they're actually moving back to Jerusalem, so it's like a dream to them. Now, verse 2 says, Our mouths are filled with laughter, and our tongues with what? Songs of joy, right? So our mouths are filled with laughter, our tongues with uh, songs of joy. If you turn back to Job chapter 8, it, it seems to be taken straight from here. But uh, in Job chapter 8, sorry, I'm slow on the turn, but it's probably on the screen, isn't it? Uh, I guess I could just look there. Verse 21 says, He will fill your mouth with laughter, and your lips with shouts of joy. So we have this uh, sort of songs of joy piece, like so they're, they're, they're being allowed to go back to Jerusalem. In fact, Cyrus is sort of funding the trip, making sure that they have safe return. It's too good to be true. We're like men who dreamed. And then it says we were laughing, which is what you do when you're sort of either scared <laughs> or really happy. But there's these songs of joy, like our tongues were filled with songs of joy. So this is about God moving in their lives, providing for them, and then they sing these songs of joy. And the question is, like, why, why do we sing? Like, that's kind of why we sing, isn't it? We sing because I, I think we sing in church for two main reasons. One, there are these songs of hope, which aren't necessarily joyful. Like earlier in the season, we sang um, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is beautiful. But it's dark. It's like really, there's nothing happy about that song. It's just this... It's, it's begging God to do something. It's begging God to come and, and be a part of our struggles, to be a part of our condition, to help us through whatever. And so there's this, sometimes the songs are just out of hope. It's a prayer. And then sometimes the songs are joyful. So they sing these songs of joy, and partly because joy is, as we said in the series this past month, joy is knowing that God has been faithful. And so when oftentimes the Bible talks about the joy of the Lord, it's just this you knowing, you're knowing, you knowing that God is faithful, that he's still with us. And then look what it says uh, next in the second part of verse 2. Then it was said among the nations. So this is all the people that aren't Israelites. They're sort of watching this happen. They're watching the return to Jerusalem. They're listening to them sing and laugh. So it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Are you with me on that? So the people get to see the surrounding nations were forced to admit God's faithfulness to these people. So the Lord has done great things for them. So they get to see uh, what's happening in their lives, and they go, there it is. They're kind of forced 
to say that. Now, verse 3. This is really the turn in the psalm for me. Right before it, in quotes, the Lord has done great things for them, and then in verse 3, the writer says, the Lord has done great things for us. Emphasis mine. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. So up front, we got the people around him saying, look at what God has done for them. He has been good to them, right? The Lord has done great things for those people. And then the writer turns around and says, that's exactly right. He has done great things for us. So he's saying it's true what they say. It's true what they say about us. When uh, in youth ministry, uh, every spring we did this class on Sunday morning for about six or eight weeks, and it was for seniors. Um, And it was basically in place to like, to do what we could to help a senior transition from youth group to university, right? Or carnival, or wherever they were going. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, we watched Christmas Vacation this year, so studying for his career. All right. but, you know, so we did things like, you know, small things like, does anybody not know how to balance their checking account? We'll help you with that. Um, do you know how to make your bed? We'll help you with that. Do you know um, all these, you know, just basic things for life? But really, when it came to, like, the faith piece, the, 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 we had this session or two where it was like this, okay, there has to, if you haven't done it already, we would say, you need to start working on taking this faith that you have, which it, for many students is someone else's faith, parents' faith, youth pastor's faith, the conference they went to, it's all that faith. And um, it's someone else's journey. They may be attracted to it. They may believe it, but it's not necessarily their own. And so we would spend some time talking about between now and whenever, you need to start the process of taking this thing, this faith that you have, and turning it into your own. Not taking yourself out of community, that's another story, but just making sure that this is, that you own this, right? So that when we're in the church and we hear all these things about the Lord has done great things for them, the Lord has done great things for them, what we want is for everyone to be able to say, that's true, he's done great things for me too. There's like this ownership of faith. And when we experience God's faithfulness, that's what we say, is it not? He has done great things, he has done great things for us. Uh, verses 4 through 6. I like this. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. These are the south streams. So in the, in the summer they would dry up, in the fall they would, they would fill. So it's this image. Do that to us. Almost saying we're dry. We need to be restored and refilled. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. The picture here is of a farmer sowing and the tears, it's just good language. I mean, it's hard work. It's you go out and you sow the seed. It's like work and toil and struggle, and it's painful, and maybe there are tears, but it's this picture of struggle and work. We'll reap with songs of joy. So it's a switch. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And he who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. So the theme of the psalm is restoration, but it's not complete. There's a sense of not yet. It's an ongoing kind of thing. Um, there's hope of more. That's the thing. He has done great things for us, but we want more of that. Whatever that is, we want more of that. Now some believe this psalm was sung by the people of Israel as they made their way 
back to Jerusalem, sort of this like soundtrack to their, to their travels. Others think it was written later as a musical story of what had happened, but at the end of the day, it's why we sing. It's why we sing songs of joy, to point back to a time when God was faithful. Uh, in James 1, James says this, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be, uh, sorry, verse 16, Do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from what? Above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift uh, is from above. And let me just read it this way to you. This, for me, because I struggle with that verse for years, like what does that mean? What does that mean? Every good and perfect gift is from above. Because you could debate that. Like what really is coming from God, what isn't, and you could just die on that hill. But I, for me, it's a call to see all good things as an opportunity to praise God. And to say, for whatever the situation or reason, the Lord has done great things for us. Even if he hasn't. Even if it's just, man, you just got in the right lane. It's still a good opportunity, thank you, uh, to say things like, the Lord has done great things for us. So James here is calling us, look, in every situation, just consider every good thing from God. Are you with me? All right, here we go. It's the end of the year, is it not? It's been a good year, hasn't it? It sounded British. It's been a good year, hasn't it? They end everything with sort of this like, are you asking me a question or? <laughs> My brother lives in England and we were um, doing the eye chat with him yesterday. And he started to do that, which makes me nauseous. I'm like, really? Come on. I'm Decatur. Uh, you're reading that? Am I or what are you telling me? Are you telling me I am or am I, are you asking me? All right. Uh, sorry, that's not in the notes here. Um, this is what I want. This is how I want to close today because it's been a good year, and um, and I thought about. I was telling Jamie this. We were having coffee, debating over if it would be ten or twenty of you here today. Um, <laughs> that maybe this text should be preached at the end of every year, and for us to look back and just go, "Man, he has done some good things." And so, if you don't mind, I'm just going to share some uh, stories. Is that cool? You're like, we don't care. We're just ready to go play with our new toys. <laughs> Waiting for my iPod to charge, a new Nano. All right. I mean, some obvious things that have happened this year. Like, I didn't know this at the, mo at the time, like, but it's taken me a couple of uh, sit-down sessions to look back. But uh, CCB has gone through a lot of changes this year. Um, staffing changes. I mean, I'm the only one that didn't change my job. I mean, Jamie left the stage. He's doing all group life. Jeff has joined our team to do worship. Um, Jessica joined our team in April to do youth and children. And so that, that is a big, that's a lot of stuff that's happened. There's been renovations. Um, we have this, these TVs now instead of that nice crooked screen with the broken thing. I was going to ride the broken thing out until we died, but I, better, better wisdom prevailed. I was ready to go back to the overhead projector. Y'all remember that? It's upside down, dude. It's upside down. 
We're singing backwards. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, that's enough of that. All right, let's get on to the real stuff. I'm going to work backwards because the, the four words that really frame up our church life are uh, God, neighbor, city, world. So I want to move from world backwards. Uh, just some stories from those different components. But y'all, uh, Beyond Sunday was ridiculous. I mean, every year we do this offering for mission, thank you, and mission work. And last year, it took several weeks, but last year it ended up being like $50,000. But this year on the offering, it was like sixty-five grand that came in. And all of that goes to mission work. And so it was really nice to give people raises, to bring on new partnerships and and um, all that sort of stuff. And we picked up three new partnerships, one in Kenya. Uh, we picked up another one here in the city, which we were dying to do. Um, we, we didn't feel like we had enough um, presence in our own city, which sort of frustrated us. And so we um, found a great new partnership, which we'll hear more about in the new year. Um, picked up Adam and Holly. We didn't pick you up. We helped you out. There you go. Um, so just very cool, and just from our own people, like, sorry, I'm just looking at these, I don't want to forget this, but um, I'd like to thank, oh, um, I mean, four of our own people have left the states to do mission work, I mean, Adam and Holly, of course, Kyle and Liz, Waller left late last fall, and I got to eat lunch with them two days ago, and they were just telling me their stories of what the, what's going on in the place where they're living, which I'm not supposed to say, um, I didn't know that when I printed it in the annual report, but <laughs> they were like, um, about the report. <laughs> okay. A um, couple Honduras trips last year. How many did we do? Seven? Two? Yeah, one big one. So not two, but one. Uh, our, our own Adam and Christy Black went to Kenya, uh, spent some time there came back, which actually they didn't know it at the time, but that formed a relationship with uh, a missionary family there that we're now supporting. Very cool. I was sitting in a meeting, I think it was with you, I keep pointing to you, sorry. You want to just come up here, Adam? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think it was us, we were sitting at, when Adam and uh, Christy were doing their presentation from Kenya, and we were sitting at the table, and I think I leaned, I leaned, I think it was you, I leaned over and I was like, this is crazy, like, we have all these people that are just like leaving and doing these crazy things overseas, but man, just a, just a cool story with what's happening around the world. And the statement uh, that we, we have for us here is to partner with God's work around the world is our privilege. For many churches, it's a burden, but for us, it's, it's a privilege. City. Uh, it's cool. I got a note in the mail. Uh, this seems so small, but it's really a, a big endeavor, but we feed the um, Georgia Tech students once a month, and um, homemade meal. I mean, we cook it from scratch. I say we, I'm just in there. But there's a team of volunteers that goes down, they cook these meals for all these students. And um, so I got a letter from kind of the director of that piece of it and said, uh, dear, you know, us, hey guys, I just want to let you know how much I enjoy having you guys around when CCB brings food to our students. CCB has been the most consistent church ever to bring food to CCF. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying this is really cool to hear because uh, some weeks I guess they're ordering pizza, but we go once a month and we cook these meals for hundreds of people. But It's just like the most consistent church ever. 
which makes all of our lives easier and it allows, and this is the key, it allows more ministry, more time for ministry to happen. Thanks for being uh, the ones to make it happen. Have a great Christmas, CCF, Georgia Tech. Very cool, very cool note. Uh, just an encouragement. Angel Tree this year, 40 kids got gifts. Kids have, uh, that have parents in prison. That was just so cool. I, I, there's still a sleeping bag in my office. I don't know who that goes to, but um, sorry, I just re- remembered that as I was talking. Got to make that delivery for the new year. It's a new year gift. Um, <laughs> this is the, the, okay, I'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, we'll see this one now. Um, we did this thing in July called Pray for the City. And it was just a van full of, a, just a full van of us from here. And we spent about four hours and we just drove around different parts of Atlanta and we prayed. And it, was, it varied. We prayed for other churches. We went into parking lots of churches and prayed for them. We prayed for, we went downtown and prayed for a church there. We went um, to uh, just different neighborhoods and whatever. But the first stop we made was to a school in Buckhead that, I know it's hard to believe, but there's a school in Buckhead that struggles. It's kind of under-resourced, although it's, in, it's a city school. And um, that's the first place we went. And this was back in July. And we circled up and we prayed for, um, we didn't know what to pray for. So I don't have any kids that go there from here. But I know the story of the school enough to say, let's, pray, let's just pray for this school. And so we did that. And then about two months ago, I got up the nerve and I just emailed the principal of that school. Not telling her that we prayed for her because that might be freaky. Like, <laughs> we're glad you've come to church. Your name is actually written under the carpet here when we built the building. I've been praying for you for six years. Um, sorry, that may be really amazing. Um, no, I just emailed her this sort of generic, like, hey, we're a church like a mile from you. Um, we've partnered with other schools in the area in the past. Um, we don't know what your needs may be. I mean, I didn't make it sound like, hey, we know that you're in need, so we're here to solve that problem, but just kind of open it up. And then nothing. I got nothing, nothing, nothing. And I was like, and then you start having these feelings like, well, forget them. They don't want our help, you know. And then we were driving to um, Disney World for Thanksgiving. That's what we do for Thanksgiving in my family. Um, And I picked up my phone and there was an email from the principal of this school. And she said, let's talk. Which was so cool, y'all. She was like, we would love for you to come in and help us. And I don't know what that is yet, but we're going to get together. Very cool story about the city. And then other things. Neighbor. Um, This was sort of weird because, or, uh, you know, the community piece of our church, like the small groups that meet, um, uh, the Rose group is like, how many are in your group now? A (laughs) hundred? It's like our other campus, isn't it? But the cool thing about the Rose group is, and I'm just going to call you out on this, uh, Jamie had asked Steve Rose to lead a community group a couple years back, and um, he was like, I don't think so. And so he did it anyway, and his whole community group was like 28 years old and under. So he's like our young adult ministry, piling into his midtown uh, Highlands home, and it's just really cool. And like it, for like four or five weeks, he would come up to me after church and go, I got two more, I got five more, and it's like, that's a, okay, you should just meet here. All right with music, and oh wait, we do that. Um, 
out of y'all's group, there's been two baptisms in the last few weeks. Uh, some, that's just so cool. Um, in our community group, uh, I don't know, we've had a lot of interesting stories in ours. They're all quite personal, so I can't really share everything, but I'll put it this way. There's been a lot of support go around our group over the last year that has been needed. Um, outside of our church, we moved into our, our condo building almost four years ago, three and a half years ago, and we were unloading the truck, and my wife and I were like, okay, we're going to live here differently than we lived in our neighborhood down in McDonald, which was, you know it, close the garage, don't trust anybody. And um, that's what we did. So we moved into this place, and we're like, we're not going to do that. We're going to live here differently and just sort of open ourselves up to whatever. And um, my next-door neighbor and I had become really good friends uh, over the last few years, and I texted him before Easter, like the week of Easter. I'm like, okay, it's Easter. It's Easter. You can at least come for Easter. And I texted him, and the text was, hey, if you're not doing anything Sunday, you can come watch me work. That was the text. Silent, silent, silent. Four hours later, yeah, we'll do that. And it was just so cool. And they've been three or four times since then. And uh, so, but that took that took three years of not like asking, but just waiting for some sort of uh, I don't know what you call it. Now's the time. Now you can ask. You know, so it's been very cool. Um, emails and notes from people in this church. I don't even know, telling me how loving, how loved they feel and welcomed they feel. It's just good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, God, oh, the statements, sorry. Uh, city, to serve the city is our vocation. Uh, to be a community of love and care is our aspiration. And then God, to see God renew the hearts of people is our passion. I've said this a couple times from the stage, but we don't actually make that happen. Churches don't like manufacture that. They try, but you can't. I mean, that's something God does. Paul says it in his Corinthian letters, like, I just plant the seed, this guy waters it, and God does his thing. And um, that's not the actual Greek, but you get the picture. <laughs> this is real simple here. Uh, Andrea Chance, Courtney Keene, Lynn Dunn, Ansley Voss, Jade Totman, Miranda Byrne, Tahita Muhammad, Nye something, Tracy Kim, all their names are written on this baptistry, Tracy was baptized here last Wednesday night, where's Tracy, very cool, I mean, good way to end the work day, um, these, just these baptisms, the, uh, the, in the annual sort of end of the year newsletter, Jamie wrote about Courtney's, I just thought this was great, um, he said, back in March of this year, 10 adults gathered in a room downstairs for the first session of Starting Point. Uh, we had people from all sorts of backgrounds, belief systems, understandings of who God is and what church is about, and they weren't afraid to ask questions or state opinions. After the first session, I remember saying to my wife, that's exactly what a group like this should be, parentheses, and admittedly I was happily, but happily was worn out. Uh, and then he says, one particular person I was immediately drawn to as Courtney. I have her permission to write this, so I guess I have 
permission to speak this. Um, the first day, I clear, clearly remember her sitting with her arms folded with a defensive, apprehensive, almost angry expression on her face. And her brash sense of humor uh, dared anyone in the group to get close. But she still came. As the weekly discussions progressed forward, I could see Courtney letting her guard down not only to the group, but to God, to a God who would love and accept her. Um, it was amazing to visibly watch God lovingly embrace someone who allowed him to do so. Uh, she became softer, more open to hearing about how God loved her just like she was, but loved her too much to leave her that way. Still, the sense of humor was there, which everyone loved, um, but it was now tempered with openness and a budding faith. And then underlined here is, she told me this later, but it was during our reading discussion on the topic of brokenness that things quote-unquote clicked for her. In fact, her new tattoo reads broken in Hebrew. She, dis, uh, she discovered that all of us are defective. We can't save ourselves. We need a Savior. And so Courtney was one of the four at the end of that 10-week group that were baptized. Just a really cool story. Um, thought I'd get an amen, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> the um, last Thursday, our staff, well, me and Jamie, uh, Jessica had left, but uh, we prayed the night before Christmas Eve, and we were really just going to pray for the Christmas Eve service, but we ended up just praying for you guys and for the church and next year. And this is kind of what we prayed. We just pray for more. Not like, you know me, not like fame, but just like, we just want more of God doing what only God can do. That's all we prayed for. We just pray for more of that more of this, more of these stories, more of these sorts of things that we've been able to witness. Let me close with this passage, and then we're going to sing a couple songs together. Um, it's a good way to end the year, is it? That was the, see, that was the British. All right. Working on it. Um, Ephesians 3, and this is this is quite a particular verse about a particular thing, but it does lend itself to be opened. But just now to him, speaking of God who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So it's like this picture of like, okay, you're asking God for things, you're praying, and it's just so small. According to his power that is at work within us, the body, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And amen. Amen? Very cool. The Lord has done great things. And He has done great things for us. So often churches will look at other churches and say, God does great things for them. But it's good sometimes to go, and He does those things here too. Um, and there's many stories, but that'll be good for today. Uh, stand with me, let's pray, and then we're going to sing, I think, two more songs and call it a year. Let's give it up for a good year, by the way. Good stuff. <laughs> good. Uh, pray with me. Father, thank you for the last uh, 12 months. Thank you for just a year of, um, of change and growth and transition and ups and downs. And uh, we thank you for these stories that uh, some were written 
down, some are just passed around, some are unknown. Uh, we just thank you for just moving in our midst, and, and we get to witness some of what you do. And, um, but God, just help us as a church in the coming years to just uh, to be your hands and feet in the lives of people and the life of this city and, uh, and with what you're doing around the world. And so continue to guide us and, and give us direction. Um, and we love you. And as we, as we stand and sing today, God, we, just, we sing with great joy of how faithful and awesome and uh, merciful you are uh, and that you allow us to, to be a part of your work. And uh, we just love you for that. And it's in your name that we pray. And everyone said...